Hi everyone, and welcome to the Write Up uh, Verse Publishing's podcast on uh, all things writerly. So everything from in- getting yourself inspiration to uh, the craft and art of writing to any kind of hints, tips, and wrinkles that we can come up with you uh, for you. Uh, my name is Rob Wickings. I am the contributing editor here at Verse, and I am Rob Mathon. I am the managing editor here at Verse. So uh, between the two of us, we see a lot of stories come across our desks, mm-hmm. and we've uh, helped shape a lot of what we put out. And we do write the stories ourselves that occasionally are published. Yes, that's true. More, yeah. more occasionally for me than, than for Rob, certainly. This is true. This is true. But, you know, we, we, we do the best we can, given given the mere 24 hours that we get in a day. And, exactly. Uh, um, Rob's actually uh, is, of course, a new dad. So um, that, 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 that kind of... <laughs> so I am seeing all twenty-four of those hours. Believe me, <laughs> I, I have intimate experience with every hour that God sends us currently. Uh, yes. There we go. There we there go. We go. All, the, all the more time for reading. Absolutely. Um, so we're still on the world-building tip, really. Here, here on the write-up, um, and we've talked about things like history and geography. But I thought it might be an interesting idea to talk about um, the notions of biology when you're building a world obviously mm. um we're talking more about science fiction and uh fantasy here um than than your your average piece of literary fiction but you know I'm, the uh, the rules can apply all over the place really but yeah yeah i, I think that i mean the uh that to me, to me i mean i know we're still on this world building sort of little sort of a tour we're on currently but this is one of the joys of writing for me particularly the writing of fantasy and science fiction mm. the the invention of places and people and things is the joy of writing to me mm. um and so like inventing animals and plants and that kind of life is 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 just like this is, this is the meat and, meat and veg of what i love about writing but i think it's for me one of the big joys is I suppose making it make sense. Now, I appreciate you when you're writing fantasy and sci-fi, sense is often something you leave behind. Yeah. But it's about understanding, I suppose, I mean, to take an example of animals as, in, as, as a sort of a, a jumping off point. Mm-hmm. It's for me, it's about understanding things like food chains, it's about understanding adaptions to environments, and the idea of evolution at play, albeit in a different world or time or place. So... If you're, you know, landing on an alien planet, you're most likely going to find everything from herbivores that, you know, chew on grass and and live by water, all the way up to some sort of apex predator. Mm. Um, and you've got to understand that that, that pyramid of creatures. Um, and and, th- and there's joy in that. There's joy in finding the local version of a cow, and there's excitement in fighting the local version of T-Rex. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that that. That that element of of food chain and evolution is desperately important, but it's something that you can embrace and twist around to your own liking. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a great example of that is um, Adrian Tchaikovsky's Children of Time, which I'm reading and enjoying as we speak, and it's got a really great central idea to it, which is basically the idea of a terraformed planet, which then gets seeded with a virus that accelerates the um, 
evolutionary progress of of your apex species which for us would would would, would be um monkeys basically mm. um so the idea would be that you basically terraform a planet seed it with 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 monkeys accelerate their progress so when you finally land on your your planet you not only have um a lovely paradise but you also have a servitor class ready and waiting to to kind of help you to build mm. which is a great idea now the twist with um, children of time is that that process goes ever so slightly wrong so you have your planet with um a rich biological sort of um cornucopia of, of of animals plants and insects most importantly and what happens is the monkeys that are supposed to go down to the planet end up not 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 doing so and the but the virus goes down and the virus latches on instead to the insect population um, right. so so the so the the so nightmare fuel basically the basically nightmare fuel so what you end up with is intelligent ants and spiders which which is kind of, which is kind of an interesting um, thing for colonists to face mm. when they do finally land on the planet, and it's just fascinating the way that Tchaikovsky kind of takes how insects um, build societies and, and build colonies, and and basically takes that and accelerates it up in, into kind of a, kind of a higher form of life. Just a mm. fascinating piece of work. And, you know, a, 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 as you say, Rob, just, just kind of taking the idea of the food chain and, and how um, and, and how different species interact and just going completely off off ramp with it. It's absolutely fascinating. I'd, I'd throw in a, another recommendation if you're looking at this kind of world building, not in the same manner, but the same sort of thing about a pyramid. If you check out um, John Scalzi's Old Man's War. Oh, yeah, yeah, an all-time um, favourite. Now, predominantly, I think about the third one, mm-hmm. uh, the third one, uh, the last colony, mm-hmm. in which they are basically terraform- terraforming and, not terraforming, but they're colonising a world. Right. And they have, and it isn't, isn't about the creatures, but they do interact with the local, the local, um, animals population yeah and you do have this idea that you can't just plonk 200 human beings or in this case several thousand human beings into a world and not disrupt what's going on locally you know if you mm. start farming one creature suddenly taking it away from another creature that that, that predator is going to retaliate yeah and it's just it's not part of the story but it's kind of weaved in as as part of the uh part of the background narrative part of the background world the world building so it isn't about the creatures in the same way that uh, Children of Time is, but it's about everything else. But they're there giving it flavour. You know, they have run-ins with whatever the local version of wolves are. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just that that background world building. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think he's that's for all the it's quite simple in that, in that situation. They've got a predator and a prey. Um, but even films and and stories, even terrible films like. Um, I can't remember what it's called. That Will Smith film with his son, where they go back to Earth. Oh, Earth. After Earth, yeah. Uh, where everything's now a predator. Yeah. Like, there, there is some joy in that. I mean, yes, they forgot to put character and plot and logic to that film, but they did have this joy of making what happens. What happens after 2,000 years of evolution? Yeah, definitely. Um, or several thousand years of evolution um, on our planet. Mm. I think... Uh, okay. Yeah, go on. Go on. You. Oh, right, okay. I, I was just going to kind of um, relate another um story that i've i've loved for a very long time so talking a little bit about the after earth kind of idea um 
uh, Harry Harrison's Death World series is is a great example of, of that kind of thing. Yeah, what happens when you have humans trying to colonize um, an environment that is aggressively hostile to them? I mean, you can say that most space ex- exploration is kind of that anyway. You know, mm. yeah, space is is not a friendly environment to get caught in. But there is that that kind of element of, of what happens when 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 you have um, an ecosystem that almost seems to be skewed towards shrugging off any kind of invasion if you like so 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 you know the insect life is is all um aggressively hostile and poisonous the plant life is poisonous the atmosphere is poisonous and yet somehow we still choose to go there and try to make a life of it. So, so it's almost like what, what the what the biology says about us as a species as well. The fact that we're mm. we're prepared to just sort of go for it and try to make make a living in 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 in, a, in, in an environment that doesn't want us. Well, I think, I think that, that that comes back to I mean, what is the central thrust of a lot of these kind of films is this human arrogance that we are the apex predator mm. and coming up against the fact that we aren't. Um, and when, when we go to these other worlds and go to these other places, mm. um, I think that's, I mean, that's a tenant that's very true in space exploration stories. I think focusing back a bit more on fantasy, sure. uh, one, th- one thing, I, and then one thing I wanted to mention, if you're dealing with fantasy stories, you have the advantage of magic. Ah, yes. Now magic, like I'm not, I'm not in favor of magic as a get out clause for any situations. It isn't a deus ex machina. Um, situation you shouldn't be able to go well he did a spell and it all better uh, which we've all seen in stories we've all read in stories mm. but I think that you can if you want if you want to have you know an indomitable snowman that lives by itself in the middle of nowhere and hasn't got any prey you can because you've got magic behind you. you've got the idea of this fantasy world in which you can get away with these things you know you can have in the case of uh, Game of Thrones giant dire wolves mm. you've got giants but you don't need to explain how a giant dire, giant dire wolf exists because it's magic. You, 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 by reading the story, you're already buying into the world of the fantastical. Mm, definitely. You, know, you haven't got to explain how Cthulhu exists because Cthulhu just exists. Sure. Um, and I think like, I'm not suggesting that. I think if you can tie the two together and have the idea of a fantastical creature and understand how it lives, how it feeds, you know what what it is about this world, this hierarchy of animals in the magical world, brilliant. But there is a bit more leeway when it comes to fantasy stories. Hmm. Definitely. I think the other thing to bear in mind um, when I was researching this this podcast, I, I came across this time and time again, and it just it just makes me cackle out loud. Is just how weird and wonderful the um, the animal kingdom particularly is. So you know the idea of of as you were saying this this abominable snowman that just sort of lives out in the wild by itself with no real predators but you know no no real sense of being anything other than what it is there are animals that are kind of like that you know you, mm. you you've got you, you imagine something like the panda that can only eat one kind of food that is found in one very small piece of the world that has no real mating instinct at all and you kind of end up thinking well what why what is this what is this thing you know mm. it, it makes no logical sense to have something like a panda bear but you, you know you try you, tr- you try writing something like that from scratch and people just go well that's just ridiculous that never work yeah. and this is the thing that i come up against time and time again that it somehow doesn't matter how fantastical 
you your 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 new creature or your new plant is there's something out there that exists right now on this planet that is certifiably weirder than anything that you your little brain can come up with just look at the deep sea stuff well exactly well 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 let me introduce you to to the tardigrade yes they are okay okay um let me just read this out for you extremely durable microscopic animals that exist all over earth they can survive any of the following 300 degrees fahrenheit to minus 458 degrees fahrenheit the vacuum of space pressure six times stronger than the ocean floor and more than a decade without food wow i mean you know that's that it that's just extraordinary isn't it they're, they're, you know living reasonably complex creatures that are basically indestructible i for one welcome our new overlords <laughs> absolutely um but yeah i, I, I I, I, ordinarily I, I would kind of issue a little bit of caution when talking about things like you know history geography that there are certain rules out there that you can't break but when it comes to biology i honestly think that all rules are off mm. there, there is just genuinely so much odd stuff out there i mean when you when you think about the way certain animals can switch sex just almost at will you know yeah with the, with the trigger or you know they'll, they'll, they'll switch sex if, if if they need to to keep the colony going you know you, you're looking at things like ursula the Guin's, um left hand of darkness of course where you know that that kind of thing it just gets ramped up to to the human type population mm. of, of that world but that stuff is out there and it's just r- remarkable and i mean uh, and there's two other things i've got to throw in here that people mm. often you know worry about and i found people going well i'm not sure that makes sense but it exists in real life Mm -hmm. a you've got the idea of the hive mind yeah yeah, yeah. we you have bees you have wasps you have these creatures that ants that have a real life hive mind exists sure so if you want to as you say blow that up to 11 and uh, take that onto a a sentient you know species like humans well there there is basis for that that there's somewhere to start for that Mm. the other one is is well i is caterpillars and butterflies okay now it has been proven that if you teach a caterpillar something the butterfly will remember it oh even though in the interim stages the caterpillar has been broken down to single cell goop and has rebuilt itself as a butterfly it can it will remember things the, the caterpillar knew Oh, and and they don't know why, and I'm aware they don't know why that happens. But like the idea that that the memory can be passed on, Mm. that memory isn't something that lives in a physical form inside your head, is something that exists in the real world. And if that isn't a hook for I don't know a freaky species on the other side of the planet, I don't know what isn't. Exactly. So, 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 um, our recommendation is just basically get yourself some weird science books and just, just go for it full on. You will find that there's stuff out there. Oh, that was, that was another thing I wanted to mention, actually. Well, you know, while I remember, um, we haven't really mentioned horror in this, but mm. of course you have the incredible zombie fungus, don't you? This, this, this spore that. Toxoplasma um, gondi. That's the stuff. That's I've the given stuff. a talk on it. Have you? <laughs> oh well, I'll tell you what then. Um, I, 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 I will. I will shut up and I will allow you to tell our, our our audience of dozens just 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 what this stuff does. So essentially, mm. it, it it lives in predominantly in the 
brains of, of rats. Right. Um, and what it does is it removes, A, the fear of predators, and it actually overrides the um, the fear and will send a rat towards a predator. Um, it overrides the function, it increases their hunger, it increases their sort of ferocity, but it will just send them at things to eat and be, to be eaten. And that's its end goal. Now, the thing about this... Um, virus is that it lives in the heads of about 70% of humans today. Uh, it's completely non that um, doesn't affect humans at all completely um, immune to that basically but there is a reason why we test all these things on rats they have a very similar brain chemistry to us it isn't a large leap from them having it to us having it so that's the speech and essentially that's that. if you want to look at a, you know, a hard science way that zombies happen Right there, go for it. Right there, absolutely. I mean, it has been used used already, but you know, it, there you go. There's a scientific basis for for, for zombies, right there. I will say, I mean, we, we, we did kind of throw out the gauntlet there that go wild with your creations. I would say, if you're talk, if you're talking horror and you're looking at trying to do something with some of the classic villains, be it vampires, zombies, werewolves, all that kind of thing, mm. there, I, I I would add a little bit of caution over play with it play with the uh, the tenants go for it go wild but at the same time you still want to make it recognizable as what it is yeah so if you're talking about zombies yes you've got feel got stories like the girl with all the gifts mm. where you've got the idea of slightly intelligent zombies um and even looking at you know the the, uh, the the father of zombies romero brought in the idea that zombies would learn how to use tools and that kind of thing mm. But you, you, it's, it's variations on a the theme. Is what I'm trying to say here. You know, if you want to bring in vampires, go for it. But you, you've still got to understand that they probably need to drink blood, and they mm. probably need to die in sunlight or something like that. Yeah, or at least be vulnerable to to sunlight. I think that's that, that's the thing. You know, you can kind of you know go with the whole notion of of, of silver being toxic somehow, which. Yeah. Um, Kim Newman deals with beautifully in his Anno Dracula books, you know, the, the idea of silver just being being effectively a, a really nasty toxin to to, mm. to the vampire kind. So so anything like that can be, yeah, yeah, go, yeah. If you want to invent a new species, go wild completely. But if you mm. want to tell a, a zombie story, a vampire story, a werewolf story, you've got to tie it back a little bit to them. Sure. I do want to sort of throw in one little other alternative version of what we're talking about here, mm-hmm. which is I'm trying to think of how to say it, but I'd probably say let's call it the alternative reality story. Okay. For one bit of words, where you aren't inventing creatures, but you are changing how we interact with them. Okay. Now, the great example for me here is Dinotopia. Oh, definitely, yeah. So you aren't inventing new dinosaurs. You aren't inventing how, you know, what the dinosaurs were, but you are inventing how we interact with them. Mm. and what purpose they serve so if you're looking at other worlds maybe it's monkey butlers yeah you know you're not inventing a monkey but you're maybe you're up in a little bit and then we're using them for something else you know do your um african warlords ride tigers mm. which we don't do obviously in reality but you take the the existing creature and you use it in a new way in a new new format a new function within the story mm. yeah and-, and i think that's if you're talking about world building when it comes to sort of biology you can, if you are unsure, just take one says, you know, you know, how could you use a a elephant in a different world, in a different world? You know, look at Lord of the Rings. They took giant elephants and suddenly they ride them into battle. Mm. Um, I think there's some some merit to that. 
Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, when you consider as well that apparently woolly mammoths were still around um, when the Egyptians were were building the pyramids, I think there's there's room to play around with that and definitely have you know um, the notion of the battle elephant is always a good one. I think I think yeah. any any story is improved by by the appearance of um, uh, an elephant in in battle armor. Definitely. <laughs> So um, hopefully that's given you a few notions on the idea of, of playing with biology in your world building. So um, I guess we'll, we'll finish off in our usual fashion by talking about a couple of things that have inspired us um, since last we met. Rob, do you so, want to make a start? Yeah, sure. I've got two. and I'm going to try to at least one of them back to both of them, both of them back to our theme of the week. Cool. So. I've been watching a lot of TV recently. Okay. Movies is harder with a new one around, but we can get an hour of TV in. Yeah. So I have completed the series Westworld. Oh, And I've just dove into the series The Expanse. Ah, good choice. It's now, both. both of these I'm, I'm going to recommend heartily. Great shows, wonderful shows, great acting, great direction, mm-hmm. great writing, all across the board. But to tie it back to our, our theme of the week, so Westworld, you've got the idea of this evolving robot kind so they aren't in biology as much, mm-hmm. although they do start to have a biological element in, in the show. Um, it is about how the interaction happens between you know, them and us and how they evolve and how they grow and change and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Secondly, you've got The Expanse. Now, The Expanse isn't as well known as the world, but it's about the tension between people who live on Earth, live on Mars, and live in the Asteroid Belt doing some farming. Mm. And... Very effectively in the first episode, you see if you take someone who grew up in zero gravity and take them to Earth, that by itself is a torture mm. because of gravity. Mm. And the idea that these people have grown up in different places and how that, even though they're all humans, how the nature of where they've grown up has changed the biology of the human beings. Yeah, I mean that that happens remarkably quickly as well. We, we you know we have astronauts um, who've been up on the International Space Station for six months. They come back and they are significantly weakened from their time mm. in microgravity. So, uh, you know, if you're born and raised in that sort of environment, then yes, of course you you will be significantly weaker. Um, I know the sequence Rob was talking about in in episode one of the Expanse, and yeah, it's. It's 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 pretty nasty, really. Considering it's 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 basically a, a a you know just a simple thing of of effectively having someone trying to stand in normal gravity. It's just very very nasty, really. What about you? Me? Um, okay, I have two recommendations, both of which are based within Marvel's X universe. Um, mm. Some very, very good stuff here. I suppose, again, you know, you could be talking about the whole notion of biology, um, evolution, you know, where, where does, where, where does mutation come from? Well, mutation is a major part of evolution, naturally. So, of course, that all ties in as well. Uh, two things. The first one being, um, James Mangold's magisterial final movie with, um, Hugh Jackman as, as Logan. The movie Logan, of course, is just a remarkable piece of work. It kind of takes the whole idea of the superhero movie and throws in themes of the Elegaic Western, of uh, film noir, um, all that sort of stuff, and makes it about the legacy of of this supposedly indestructible and immortal creature, um, Mr. James Hewlett, um, a.k.a. Logan. Just a remarkable piece of, of dark grown-up storytelling that i cannot recommend highly enough 
really quite remarkable stuff. So um, well worth seeing. The second half of that equation is a show that, again, seems to be getting an awful lot of massive critical play, but possibly not the audiences it needs, although it has, I'm pleased to say, just been renewed for a second season. And that's Legion starring um, Downton Abbey's Dan Stevens. Um, The story of um, Professor X's son, David, David Haller, who is the most powerful mutant on the planet. The twist with him is that his powers are either kind of caused by or um, a function or, if you like, uh, what's the word I'm trying to come up with? Uh, let's, let, sure. let, 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 let's, let's say exhibited by schizophrenia. Basically, basically, he spent most of his life in and out of um, mental institutions um so he's a schizophrenic but it transpires that his powers are kind of part you know are linked to that schizophrenia it's incredibly well told it's got a visual style unlike anything else on tv at the moment it's it's just bold brash and just brilliant brilliantly acted all the way through um dan stevens is an absolute revelation in it i mean i think he's fantastic anyway if you've not seen him in uh for example the guest a uh, low-budget movie that came out a couple of years ago. He's fantastic in that. So, yeah, get yourself all over that. But, yeah, um, Legion currently screening in the UK on Fox on Thursday nights. You can play catch-up on it on most um, services. Get yourself all over it. It's just fantastic. I will check it out. Do, do. Till then, guys, you can find us all over in, I suppose. <laughs> like a rash. Like a rash. Um, so you can find us probably on Twitter is the best place to find us um, at Verse Books or you can find just me at Rob Kaiju uh, you can find me as at Konohito that's C-O-N-O-J-I-T-O and until next time keep writing keep writing The Write-Up is a production of Verse Publishing Please check us out on Twitter at Verse Books and Facebook as Verse Publishing. See you next week!